Hello, my friends. How are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Sunday Edition podcast. This podcast features a replay of our Sunday sermon, or on occasion, a sermon from another Wells Church. If you enjoy what you hear today, you might also enjoy our weekday devotions, which you will automatically get if you subscribe to the podcast. Additionally, you might consider sharing it with a friend. Each and every podcast has a share link in its description, which can be found in the same podcast that you're listening to right now on your phone or your computer. I've tried to make the link to it obvious. Let me know if it isn't by emailing me at john.kirk at stmarksbemidji.org. Share God's word. Share love to your neighbor. Today's sermon is titled, Free Indeed, and is based on John 8, verses 31 through 36. And if you're a faithful listener, you'll notice that I've reused the title. It's a good title, and we may even use it again. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now let's join Pastor Zamzow for this week's sermon. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior, who is the rock of truth on which we stand, amen. You see it on political banners or on political ads from time to time. You see it on talk shows. You hear it from the talking heads on TV. You see it plastered, maybe etched or carved in concrete or stone above the doors of famous institutions like colleges or or universities written in fancy Latin. Veritas vas liberabit. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. A phrase that's pretty well understood in some very popular words of the Lord Jesus. Ones that we've heard before. Ones that the world around us knows quite well. I mean, hey, even the feminist Gloria Steinem once said, the truth will set you free, but it'll tick you off first. Everybody's heard this at least once before. And it's used in a whole number of ways. And in almost every single circumstance, what's the thing to be grabbed onto the truth the truth is the thing to be aspired to the truth is the thing to be held onto the truth is the thing to be grabbed or attained or clung to and even Christians even Christians might be tempted to think of truth in this way. But it begs the question of Pontius Pilate in front of Jesus. What is truth? What is it? Is it this nebulous, free-floating thing that's out there? This idealistic, 
image, this pie-in-the-sky ideal of something to be grabbed or clung to or, or attained? I mean, think about how many ways that it's used. Your truth will set you free. The truth about diet and exercise will set you free. The truth about how to manage your money well will set you free. The truth that comes from exploration, discovery, and science will set you free. The truth about finding contentment in life will set you free. So many different types of truth. What is the truth? Or in the context of our worship today, what is the truth that produces true freedom? It's a statement that we're all pretty well familiar with, but the thing to be reminded of here today, the thing that believers remind themselves of, obviously this phrase is pretty well known. We don't need to be reminded of the, this phrase, the truth will set you free. What we need to be reminded of is the words of Jesus that come literally right before this. What does he say? If you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my teaching, <coughs> excuse me, literally in the original, um, there's kind of a funny play on words here. We get the idea of hold like I'm, I'm holding this piece of paper. But that's not what Jesus' word means. It's literally remain in my teaching. Dwell in my teaching. The same word is used as if you say, I live in that house. I live, I dwell, I remain. I am in that house. I am in it. I am locked to it. It is mine. I am in it for, for however long it's mine. Jesus says, if you remain in my teaching, then you will know the truth. Then you really are my disciples and the truth will set you free. So in the context of Jesus' words here, the truth is not some free-form, floating, nebulous thing that's out there. The truth is what? Jesus hits the nail on the head. I am the truth. My word is the truth. My teaching is the truth. The problem is, the people that he's talking to, people that aren't so different from you and I, he speaks these, world, these words in the context of a world that is not so very different than the world that you and I live in. The freedom that Jesus is talking about that's produced by this truth is not a freedom that we easily recognize. Because our widely accepted idea of freedom is messed up too. Isn't the idea, that the, the commonly held idea of what freedom is and what freedom is supposed to be, that I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, I can think however I want, I can believe however I want, without being coerced or bribed or convinced. That's our idea of what freedom is supposed to be. And so the statement that Jesus makes, if you hold, if you remain in, if you lock yourself into my teaching, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's a little bit of a conundrum, isn't it? If you want to be free, then why would you lock yourself to, why would you, you, you marry yourself to this one thing? It sounds a little bit absurd. How can I bind myself to something and be free? 
And this is the qualm that the people that Jesus is speaking to have with these wor- the, the word of the, that Jesus just said. Remember who he's talking to. The very first line in the Gospel reading for today. To the Jews who had what? Believed in him. Uh-oh. This message is for believers. The Jews who had believed in him. Jesus had been preaching and teaching about himself, and literally the verse right before this says, and even as he was speaking, many believed in him. The Holy Spirit worked faith in their hearts, and they came to know Jesus. And they're sitting there in front of him now, and he's speaking to them one on one. To the Jews who had believed him, he said, if you hold to my teachings, you will know the truth. Or if you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? We might think back to the first lesson, um, or we might think about our knowledge of the Bible overall. What do you mean you've never been slaves of anybody? Weren't you in captivity in Egypt as slaves for 400 years? Weren't you in Babylon for 70 years? Aren't you currently living under the oppressive Roman Empire? What do you mean you've never been, in, uh, you've never been captive or, or made slaves of anybody? But I think the way that they would have, if you were to be there that day and say that to them, they would have answered you in a way that sounds pretty familiar to us. They would have came back and said, I'm a child of Abraham. I'm, a ch- I, I'm, I'm one of God's chosen people. It don't matter who's in power politically over me. I am free because I'm one of God's chosen people. I'm in the nation of Israel. And so, Jesus, how can you say that I need to be free? And why would you confront me with this weird, perplexing thing that in order to be free... I have to bind myself to you? I have to remain in your teaching? I'm already free. I'm free because I'm a child of Abraham. I have his traditions. I have his faith. I have his, 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 uh, his ceremonial law. I follow the Ten Commandments. I am free no matter what. By my lineage and by my tradition, I am free. I don't need to be locked to anything else. I don't need to remain in anything else. So what does Jesus say? Jesus' response to this cuts to the quick. And he points out the greater problem. This isn't about you not having a master. This is not about you being free, even really in the normal context of freedom. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Jesus cuts to the heart of the issue and the thing that these people just didn't really get yet, even though they believed in him. In other words, Jesus is saying, sure, true enough. You might be children of God and children of Abraham by blood. But if you're thinking this way, 
believing that you are free heirs of heaven by your lineage or your tradition or your ceremonial law or even your moral law. If you think that's what makes you free, you've got another thing coming. If you sin, you are a slave to sin and that's the truth. Not to make this sound like an AA meeting, but maybe you've heard this before. The first step to recovery is what? Admitting you have a admitting you have a problem. The first step to recovery is admitting that you have a problem. In other words, admitting the truth of your situation, taking stock in it, realizing that you're a slave to something, and then and only then can you overcome it. But that's where the similarities end. Because the problem that Jesus lays out, anyone that sins is a slave to sin. The problem that Jesus lays out here, there is no earthly solution for. We can't overcome that on our own. Sin. We all sin. We're slaves to it. Even if what we want to do is the good and right thing. Even if we think that we have the the right course of action plotted and planned out we cannot carry it out to perfection as God would demand. Why? Cite Paul in Romans. The good that I want to do, I do not do. The evil that I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And what's his next line? Who will rescue me from this body of death? It's a guttural cry of anguish of a man who's taken stock of his situation Realize just how much his sinful nature is a slave to sin. How every single one of our deeds, no matter how good or righteous or charitable on the outside, stained with sin on the inside. Whether it's by false piety or false humility or pride or a desire to get something in return or to look better in the eyes of others. Everything that we do is stained in sin. We are slaves to it. And this is the reality, the truth of what Jesus shares with those Jews that believed in Him that day. And so what's the Lord calling for here? I think of a word, it starts with an R. It's the thing we're celebrating today. A reformation. A reformation, not a one-time deal. Not a one-time moment in history, but a a reformation of the soul. A reformation of the heart that happens every single day or every single moment as needed. Realizing that this isn't about being free in the worldly concept of freedom. Or having truth in the worldly concept of truth. This isn't about not having a master over you. The question is, who is The Master. In the case of the Jews, they say, hey, we're a shoe in We got the traditions and the faith and and the ceremonial law and the Ten Commandments and the the faith of of our father Abraham. We're a shoe in And Jesus says, pump the brakes there, Jack. Honestly, if you don't see the truth of your situation, if you don't take stock of it, If you don't see that you are a slave to sin, then honestly, 
You risk being thrown out of the house. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And in these words, Jesus points for their dire need in our dire need for Him. Gets back to what He said at the beginning. If you hold, if you remain, if you lock yourself to My teaching, then you really are My disciples. Then you will know the truth about yourself, about all humanity, and the truth will set you free. And he calls them and he calls us to cling to him as the master. A slave can be dismissed at a moment's notice, but the son remains in the house forever. And only the son remains forever. And therefore, only he can set you free. And so therefore, for us, it's one thing or the other. Either you have Christ or you have nothing. Either it's being bound to Christ as the master or it's being bound to sin as the master. In this whole scene today with Jesus and these, and these Jewish people who had believed in Him, sitting there thinking that they were children of Abraham and relying on their ceremonies and their traditions and the faith of their fathers, it ought to cause us to do a little bit of introspection. Because today we sing these powerful uh, old 500-year-old German Lutheran hymns and we're happy in the fact that we are heirs of the Reformation. Or we're happy in the fact that we've, we've carried on the, the, the teachings of, of Luther for the last 500 years, whether it's in the Catechism or in the Small Called Articles or in the Augsburg Confession. Or that we can stand on the Bible and say that we believe that unequivocally this is the Word of God or that I'm a five generation, fifth generation Lutheran and I can recite all the solas, sola gloria, sola fide, sola scriptura, and I know what they mean in Latin, faith alone, grace alone, scripture alone. It's the equivalent of saying we're the spiritual children of Abraham. Even some of these things that we consider good even if these things, some of these things we consider good, we rely on them. If we're not careful, they might be the very thing that enslaves us. Because it is the fourth sola that makes the other three possible. Solus Christus. Christ. Christ alone. He's the one. He's the perfect son of Abraham who came to do what all children of Abraham by faith or by uh, spiritual children of Abraham could never do. He is the holy, perfect son of God. And he sets us free. He is the one who sets you free. He is the son who sets you free. And he's declared that over you. He's declared that over me. He could have done whatever he wanted. He didn't have to come down here. Or if he did come down here, he could have set himself up as an earthly king and ruled and, and reigned in Jerusalem or whatever. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. But he came down here 
chose the perfect time, chose the perfect place in history, chose the exact right moment under the exact right circumstances. Why? Not for his own glory, but to suffer, to be betrayed, to have the sins of the world, not a one did he commit, laid on him, to suffer and to die, to take the punishment that you and I rightfully deserve, that all humanity rightfully deserved. Jesus came down here, and what did he remain in? What did he bind himself to? He bound himself to sin. Called it his own, even though he wasn't guilty of it. He bound himself to the pain and the shackles of hell in order to shatter them so that you and I might know what freedom really is. So that the child of God can look and say, temptation, I know what that is. It's a trap. It's a trap that leads into sin. And do I fail and fall? Yes, I do. I fail and fall and I sin every single day, but it is not my master. Because the price has been paid for it. So then what of the crushing burden of guilt? I'm free from that too. Because the price has been paid. The blood of the Son of God has redeemed me and calls out for my freedom. And so then what of death? The tomb is broken. Death and hell are shattered. Christ has rescued us from these bodies bound to die and declared you free. So our freedom comes not, certainly not from our lineage. It comes not from our good works. Faith comes certainly not from our own faith even. That sounds strange, I know, but a lot of people would say, well, I trust in my faith. No. It's not your faith that frees you. My faith is weak. My faith is fickle and it changes from day to day. Why am I free? Why are you free? It's this declaration of the Son apart from you, apart from me, written in His blood that says you're free, that your sin is forgiven, that you're a child of God and an heir of heaven for all eternity. That's the truth. That's what we cling to. That's the truth that we remain in. And that's the truth that sets us free. Amen. That's all there is for today. But we are so happy you took a few moments out of your busy day to listen to God's Word with us. Please consider subscribing to our podcast to hear more devotions like this, Monday through Friday, and to hear our Sunday sermons as well. We also cordially invite you to join us for church every week at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website at www.stmarksbemidji.com. Dot .org